Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Our episode today is brought to you by Cathode Ray Media. Cathode Ray is a full-service marketing agency that connects government organizations to their communities. Wondering how they can help you? Here are just a few ideas. They use ingenuity and imagination to create awareness of progress and opportunity within your community. They help residents and visitors find local shopping, dining, and service businesses. They make residents and stakeholders aware of challenges that affect them and their community, while encouraging them to get help or get involved. They can also work to help attract new small businesses while helping micro-entrepreneurs learn how this small but mighty woman-owned and operated marketing agency can help your community. They use tried and true methods that will connect your organization to your residents using social, digital, and traditional media. Curious? Visit cathoderay.com, that's K-A-T-H-O-D-E-R-A-Y.com to learn more or ask for a free no-obligation consultation. We thank Cathode Ray for their support of the Econ Dev Show. Welcome back to the Econ Dev Show. Today we're here with Mark Litton. He is the Vice President of Economic Development at the Putnam County Chamber of Commerce in Palatka, Florida. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dane. It's great to be here. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, Palatka and Putnam County? I guess that's a good place to start. Sure. Palatka is a city of about 10,000 people in Putnam County, has 75,000 plus or minus uh, residents. We are in northeast Florida, about a half hour from St. Augustine, 45 minutes from Gainesville, and about an hour to downtown Jacksonville. And what are the chief industries there? Our largest industry is a Georgia Pacific paper mill that employs about a thousand employees. Uh, We have Veritas Steel, which makes uh, steel trusses for bridges. Mm -hmm. And we also have uh, Seminole Electric's main uh, power generating station that supplies all the electricity to the rural co-op electric companies in Florida. And we have CertainTeed building products. They make drywall out of the gypsum that is, or fly ash that is burned from the coal at the Seminole electric plant. So it's kind of a a vertical operation up there. And um, we have a lot of businesses. We're right on the St. John's river, which, is one of the five in the world that flows to the north and uh, spills out at the uh, bay in Jacksonville. So it's a it's a great little community. It's um, the epitome of rural. Um, it's uh, you know we're close to a lot of things. Daytona's an hour away. Uh, Orlando's an hour and a half. So we're right in the middle of a lot of things, but we're also right in the middle of nowhere. And how did you end up there? Because I read your bio and you were in Ohio, you were in Michigan. Yeah, I'm originally from Ohio, uh, born and raised. 
um, the, the Gator fans down here aren't real happy that a Buckeye has invaded right. the Southeast Conference area. But uh, I actually was in Michigan and um, was CEO of Bay Future Incorporated, which was the, a standalone economic development organization. And my mother got sick back in Ohio, and it was seven and a half hours drive. And being an only child, I had to go take care of her. So I resigned in 2018, went back to Ohio. We moved back to Ohio, and um, she ended up passing in November of 2019. Thought I'd take a month or so off and kind of decompress, and uh, started looking for another job in January, and March 20th, 2020 happened, Right, and uh, we got locked down due to the pandemic, and so I pretty much retired, uh, started collecting my social security, and uh, was took a part-time job uh, in Sandusky, Ohio, driving a shuttle bus for Cedar Point Amusement Park, big uh-huh. amusement park on Lake Erie, uh-huh. and uh, I got a call from a headhunter who did the search for this for this position. Uh, the next move group out of uh, uh, New Orleans. Oh, sure. And uh, I'd met those guys at conferences over the years. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like driving a shuttle bus. (laughs) (laughs) um, They said, oh, you got tread on the tire. You want to, we got a job in Florida. You'd be perfect for it. And I'm like, oh, now when you're in Ohio, your orientation of Florida is Miami, Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, Daytona, Jacksonville, Tampa, you know, and I'm like, say one of those words and I'm your guy. And he's like, well, it's Palatka. I'm like, pardon me? I had never heard of it. Uh Um, So I said, I'll do my research and saw that it was going to be a challenge. And I'm not one to back down from a challenge. Um, Putnam County is um, the poorest county in Florida based on poverty records by the uh, state of Florida. And so I thought, you know, this would probably be my last job in the, in the industry and, and in the economic development industry. And I thought, get down and try to make a difference and, and, and try to help the community out. And it's working out just fine after seven, eight months being here. So what kinds of things do you do there? Well, basically, I try to focus, being that I'm a one-man show um, here in the chamber, we have a president, CEO, and Mm-hmm. a tourism director and a membership director and me doing economic development. Uh, when I got here, I was trying to figure out well, what can I market? Because my background is, is and strengths are in industrial development. Sure. Um, some attraction, retention and expansion and marketing. Those are the three big things that I, I try to do. And being one man, that's about all I have time for. Um, so I, I wanted to find out what do I have here to market to the outside world? Um, Putnam County uh, Board of Commissioners has created a business park 35 years ago, only has two tenants on it, which is oh. kind of sad to be, right. you know, and, uh, but it had all the infrastructure to it and I started marketing it. And right now we have five um, industrial firms looking to buy acreage in the, in the business park um, and that will all you know, bring jobs and new capital investment and increase the tax base because publicly owned land isn't taxed. So um, I've been working numerous projects trying to get them to to a a closing um, 
there's always a due diligence period of about 180 days. So they're kind of tracked. So there should be a couple uh, within the next 30 to 45 days that um, we can announce and close on the, on the property. Well, that's fabulous. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's really working out well and, and I'm enjoying it. We've come to love Florida, my wife and I, and, um, Yesterday, we went over to St. Augustine, which is about a half hour away. We uh, went to the Fountain of Youth um, that Ponce de Leon found when he landed here in the 1500s. And St. Augustine's the oldest city in America. And so I took a drink of um, the water that comes Uh out of the spring. And I feel like 20 years younger today. (laughs) Oh, that's phenomenal. My hair didn't change colors, but you know, not yet. Give it time. Right. But I, but I feel good. So there's something to that water. Oh, that's wonderful. Good. And it's a real archeological dig site and they have, they fire cannons. They have a blacksmith. They have peacocks running around. It's, it's crazy. It was was a great time. My wife and I, we we really enjoyed it. We spent about three hours there. I also read that you are a retired basketball official. 35 years. So yeah, give yes, us a little bit of, get, tell us a little bit about that. But then more importantly, how does, how does being a basketball official help you as an economic developer? I think you're probably the, you know, the person to ask. I, I would be the person to ask. Um, yeah, I worked uh, high school and college basketball. I got up as high as division two mm-hmm. in the college ranks. Um, retired when my mom got sick in 2018. Cause I just, didn't want to leave her by herself and go out and, you know, run, run down the basketball court. Um, I always told people that being a basketball official helped me be a better economic development person because when coaches would yell at me every time I blew my whistle, um, I was able to stay calm, cool, and collected during the, my day job uh, doing economic development. So nothing really phased me. Um, so I, I felt I came off as like the consummate professional because when you're in a gym with two to 5,000 people and, and every time you blow the whistle, half the, half the folks in the building are mad at you, um, you have to be the calmest person in the, in, the, in the gym. And you can't fly off the handle. And so it really helped um, make me a better professional in my day job. Oh, that's good. Yes, I, that's what I was thinking. thought that... That has to be a just utterly tension-filled job, being the official on yeah. the court there. Like, well, it's, there's there's a lot of a lot of tension, but um, I enjoyed it so much and met so many great people o- over those 35 years, whether they were fans, coaches, players. Um, and Ohio put out puts out a few good players, mm-hmm. um, most notably uh, the guy that plays for the Lakers, uh, LeBron. James, and I had the opportunity to officiate his game, a couple of his games in the tournaments, because I didn't live in the Cleveland area then. He was from Akron, um, but saw him in state tournament play, which I was fortunate enough to be selected to work five times in Ohio. Um, So yeah, just a lot of of good times and memories and um, the camaraderie with other officials, because my crew of three officials. You had me doing economic development. I had a vice president of a bank and a school superintendent. That was our crew. And we had the best time up in Northwest Ohio, uh, running around, 
driving an hour or two to do game, do a game and she got paid 65, $70, uh-huh. but it was, the money really didn't matter because, um, I mean, it was nice pen money or save up and spend it up on a vacation or, or right. whatever. And, uh, but it was like, it was just being around the guys and, you know, all the, all the, all the teasing that goes on and, um, you know, you know, we, we just had a great time and I, I, I miss, I miss, um, out there being on the court, but being 63 years old now, my knees, um, took a beating over 35 years, uh, but it was a lot of fun. I sort of envious of that. Having well, that. we need, we need, yeah. we need officials. Um, you know, the games cannot be played without officials. And, um, a lot of people are not getting, a lot of young people are not getting into it because they don't want to take the abuse, uh, be yelled at. Uh, they don't want to travel, be away from their families. Um, and the money's really, I mean, if you're, if you get into it to make money, you're going to be very disappointed. Um, it's not something you got to do it for the love of the game. And, um, former players need to jump into officiating so that they can give back to uh, the kids that are growing up and coming up to have those same opportunities they had when they were playing. So right. um, it, it's just something, it's, it's a profession, an avocation, if you will. And, mm-hmm. um, but it, it, it was nice to go from a stressful day at, you know, dealing with lawyers and accountants and architects and um, government officials and, you know, presidents and plant managers of companies. And then I could go out and just relax and officiate a basketball game and enjoy the game. And I was right on the court uh, instead of sitting in the stands yelling. Right. So it, it, it was very relaxing and it, it kind of helped me de-stress from the day job. That's Believe it or not. Yeah. Right. So speaking of young people needing to get into being the basketball official, let's talk about young people needing to come into economic development. A challenge that I'm seeing everywhere is that everyone is saying yep. that we need more young people. We need more people to come into the profession because the vast bulk of economic developers are sort of aging out. So correct, you've been an economic developer for such a long time. Why do you think that it was a good profession? Why was it a good choice for you? And why do you think it would be a good choice for someone else that's young? Yeah, it, it you know, I kind of got thrown into it. Um, I was working for a two-year community college uh as a placement director when I was 25 years old, finding jobs for associate degree graduates. And since I had got to know a lot of HR people at various manufacturing, industrial, and even businesses, um, the state of Ohio had a couple soft money grant program, an industrial training program, a technology transfer program. And the president of the college said, you'd be perfect for this. And, And I was like, Am I going to make more money? He said, yeah. And I said, I'll do it. So I kind of got into it that way. Mm-hmm. And then um, I got a, 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 I got a job at the Ohio Department of Development pre-Jobs Ohio when it was just done as a state government agency and kind of fell in love with doing the deals. And um, after 18 years of work for the Ohio Department of Development, I took a position uh as an executive director for a port authority and uh, ran that for a few years, then jumped to another community. You know, it was all about making more money. I was trying to raise two daughters and have enough to uh, put back for their college funds and um, have really enjoyed being on the 
private sector side of economic development, um, either in 501c case or in a chamber like I am now. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but we need to encourage the problem is there aren't too many kids that can go to college and major in economic development. Correct. Uh, that's one problem. Um, so a- attracting people to the field, you, you got to find people that have sort of an extrovert personality. Uh, introverts don't do well in these jobs. Um, so you can look at people who have communications degrees, business administration, um, and try to, you know, encourage them to apply for positions in the economic development field. Um, because when people hire in these for these jobs, they're always like, well, you have to have a bachelor's degree and, 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 in business administration, economics, you know, so economists don't do well in these jobs. Right. Personal, personally, but, but, but people who feel like they're, they're problem solvers, um, mm-hmm. because every, every project is different, uh, has different elements. And, um, if you're in it, as long as I've been in it 32 years, you've pretty much seen it all, but, you know, I go to conferences, um, IEDC, Florida Economic Development, SEDC, um, to learn. And, and, and it's, I'm still learning. I'm 63 years old. And I'm still learning how to do deals. Mm-hmm. And um, that's going to benefit whatever community I'm in. Right. But you make a great point, Dane, that, that uh, people aren't getting into economic development. And I'm not sure what this millennial and whatever the next generation is, Gen Z's or Mm -hmm. um, not sure what they're doing. They don't seem to be working anywhere. Um, That's why there's 10 million jobs available in the United States and only 5 million unemployed people. Right. There's two jobs for everybody. If they want There's two jobs for everybody. Well, you got the baby boomers retiring. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure there's a, a solution unless, you know, maybe the international economic development uh, council or the, the state associations of economic development people kind of put their heads together and figure out a strategy because who's going to do the projects. I mean, elected officials always run on a platform of we're going to create jobs. They don't know how to do it. We're the guys that do it it. for them. Right. Right. Interesting. So I, somebody has got to come up with some, uh, a strategy and, um, start working it. And you mentioned that you preferred to work for the private sector or the nonprofit sector, not for the government. Why? Correct. Why do you feel that way? And, and describe the sort of differences between the two and you know how an economic development director works in those different settings. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, if you're in a state agency like an Enterprise Florida or Jobs Ohio, uh, companies are contacting you and saying, oh, we want to do an expansion or we want to relocate uh, one of our facilities. And all the state really does is reach out to those of us at the local level and right. the county level and say, what do you have available? Site, building, you know, whatever, a workforce uh, numbers. And we feed that information to the state and then they give it to the, the prospect. And then the prospect decides whether they want to come take a look. But, you know, me, if I can just get them here, mm-hmm. I feel like I've got a better than average shot of winning the deal. Um, you know, cause I know what I have available here locally and, you know, the state really doesn't because there's right. too many counties in each state. So 
I think you're a little more restricted at the state level. You don't really put the whole deal together. You kind of put the incentives into the deal. Uh, where at the local, right. And at the local level, we're working it from submitting a site, doing a site visit, negotiating price per acre. You know, we kind of play lawyer, realtor, and we're not licensed in those areas. So it's, right. I, I kind of like it. Right. It's um, kind of fun. Yeah. Allows me a little bit of freedom. That's why I said, I, you know, it's, it's a fun job and every project's different. Um, you get to meet a ton of different people. Uh, and, and, and at the end of the day, you can make a difference in your community, a big difference. Right. Um, I was told one time by an elected official, I don't have the best, you don't have the best job in our community. You have the most important job in our community. And I've always kind of taken that, um, to heart because, you know, if I'm successful, then the community is going to see new jobs, capital investment and, and new tax base. And then the government's going to offer better services because I got the money to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, but a lot of times, most, a lot of communities, they, they don't get, they don't get what we do. They, they, you know, cause we, you know, we, we have to do a lot of stuff in secrecy confidentially. Right. Um, and they're like, oh, we want you to be transparent. You know, um, I had a, a meeting of our, our quarterly meeting of our economic development council this past Thursday and was fortunate to have Ron Starner, who's the publisher of Site Selection Magazine, come in as our speaker. I've been friends with Ron for about 25 years, and uh, he agreed to drive down from Atlanta. And I told the group, and, it, and this was our really our first big meeting since before COVID hit. Uh, we, we haven't met since 2019 as a, as a council. And I told people, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be transparent right up to the name of the company, which I cannot tell you because I've signed NDAs. Um, but I'll tell you, it's a $230 million capital investment, 115 new jobs, new production line, and they're going to add a 400,000 square foot addition to their building. And everybody's like, who are they? I'm like, can't tell you. I'll tell you when it's announced. When you see it in the paper, you'll know. But I'm just letting you know it's coming. They got to be happy with that because because most people will say, "I can't tell you anything." You know, my NDA says I can't reveal the name of the company. That's it. Sure. It's interesting that we're talking about the difference between the state and the local economic development um, operations. But you're in Florida, where there's a lot of talk at the state level about Enterprise Florida and maybe the legislature wants to get rid of it. Like how what do you think? Being there on the being there uh, on the ground and being from outside yeah. of Florida. I think it's extremely short-sighted uh, by the legislature. There there there's a feeling especially within the House of Representatives in in the state legislature that economic development is two words, corporate welfare. Hmm. And they don't want to give away tax dollars. Um, they're also looking to, to kind of reinvent Visit Florida, which is the tourism um, agency for the state. And they want to take monies away from the local tourism. Uh, she's like, we have here at the chamber, they're going to lose half their money, which is collect bed tax collections. Right. So how are we going to promote Florida as a as a destination for somebody to travel here for do a week's vacation or go to Disney or universal, Mm -hmm. go to the beaches, um, the state legislature in the house and and the bill that's 
been put together to eliminate Enterprise Florida and change the tourism development count, Visit Florida, has been proposed by the Speaker of the House. Who's going to vote against him? Right. No one. My, my guess at this point is Enterprise Florida is done. Uh, they'll be done as of July 1st. Whatever they've been doing will be moved into uh, the Department of Economic Opportunity, DEO, which mm-hmm. would be like the, Ohio, like the Ohio Department of Development. I mean, I could, if, if somebody in a, in a state legislature in Ohio just said, let's get rid of Jobs Ohio, that person would be laughed out of the assembly, especially after they just got Intel to invest right, $20 that, yeah. billion. Dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got $20 billion, little project. Um, I think Florida's, the, the, the House, I think their, their position is if people want great weather, sunshine and palm trees, no state income tax, they're going to come here. Right, right last year, 1,200 people a day moved to Florida. We're now the third largest state by population behind California and Texas. Um, 65,000 people from New York applied for a Florida driver's license in 2022. It's amazing. Theory is if 1,200 people a day are moving here, they're bringing their businesses too. Right. Some of them are bringing their businesses and we have opportunities there. But if we have no incentives to offer, States such as Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Louisiana, Alabama, Texas, kind of here in Southeast United sure. States, they're going to eat our lunch. They're going right. to eat our lunch. And I don't think the the House of Representatives understands that. But, um, you know, our state representative here in Putnam County, he's like the number two guy in the, in the House. And... He's not going against his buddy, the speaker. So sure. I, I don't even talk. I haven't even talked to him about it. Um, I just don't know how they'll handle the confidential leads that come in, because if they come into Department of Economic Opportunity, they're public record. Right. They're no companies. Yeah. No company's going to call them. So where that's what that's going to do is I think it'll shift um, the gears. I think you'll see Florida Power and Light become a, a bigger player in the confidential leads as well as a, a Jacks USA, which is a regional mm-hmm. economic development organization in Jacksonville. And there's some other, there's a regional group in Miami, Orlando, Tampa, St. Pete's, and then up in the panhandle of, of Florida, uh, Northwest Florida Economic Development Organization. So I think that's what you're going to see. You'll see a shift um, in how leads are handled. Sure. And it's probably going to be a learning curve for a lot of people. Right. So you're in a, you're in a small community. How are you going to respond? You know, you're going to increase your marketing and increase your attraction work. What are you going to do in the, in this new environment that you're foreseeing? Well, I've already increased uh, my marketing. I'm taking out full page ads in uh, numerous economic development publications like site selection, business facilities, um, area development. Uh, So I'm trying to market Putnam County you know, to the world. Uh, we revamped our website. Uh, they launched it about two weeks before I arrived. I did have some input um, and it. I th- think it looks pretty good, you know, but w- we have to sell ourselves because no one else is going to sell Putnam County, but us. Um, so tooting your own horn is, is very key. I think we almost have to brand our, our, our community, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to, 
differentiate us from other micropolitan communities around the country. You know, there's 543 cities that are between 10 and 50,000 residents. Those are micropolitan. You get bigger than that and you're a metropolitan. So we have to differentiate um, so we can compete. That's kind of, you know, we'll have to develop a, well, I'll have to develop a strategy, (laughs) you know, with, with, with uh, some counsel from um, my private sector investors uh, in, in Putnam County economic development and, 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 you know, then roll it out and, and, and do it. Interesting. So talking about, Advertising. You mentioned Site Selection Magazine, Business Facilities, other economic development-focused magazines. Are those the places, let's say somebody's in another part of the country and in their own little micropolitan area, are those the kind of places that you would recommend that they spend their marketing money? Or does that just happen to work for you? Or what is your experience? No, it, it, it works for all the communities, um, the especially major cities and, and counties of our size. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, if you, it, it, and it's all budget driven. It's how much money do you have to spend? Unfortunately right. here, I'm on a limited budget because I'm a small community in a very rural area. Um, you know, I'm going to have to do a capital fundraising campaign in 2024 uh, to raise money to, to market us to be competitive. Hopefully the private sector uh, will support that. I mean, right now my budget is 80% public money mm-hmm. uh, from the county and city of Palatka. Um, and I only get about $30,000 from the private sector. So we got to gin that up a little bit and get them involved and triple that money um, so that I can advertise more. Because like I'll take site selection, for example, their readership is... 40,000 plus C-suite individuals that receive that magazine, you know, CEOs, CFOs, those um, folks that are are in their real estate departments, they're getting those and they're seeing those magazines. And, you know, you just can't do an ad one time a year. Right. No one even remembers it. You have to be, you know, do frequency uh, ad inserts. Um, You know, I've done... uh, video like commercials and put being interviewed by there's a place in Jacksonville, um, a digital um, media partner up there who, who called me in and gave me eight minutes to talk about Putnam County that went out to the world, you know, on the internet. So most people are looking for internet advertising or uh, kind of that over the top marketing you can do. Uh, with Netflix, um, uh, Hulu, things of that nature. You know, when somebody clicks on a a show, Uh your ad runs across. So, but that gets expensive. Um, You know, I looked into um, doing a 15 or 30 second commercial and it was just cost prohibitive. Um, You know, I thought, hey, you know, the Ohio State-Michigan game is the most uh, highly watched with the most people you know, millions of viewers um, every year. Well, it was going to cost me $800,000 for 15 seconds. Yeah, I'm out. (laughs) I don't have that kind of money. But but a a Miami or Orlando, uh, an Atlanta, a Charlotte, you know, a Houston, uh, a Dallas, Fort Worth, they probably have that kind of money. And, um, you know, I've looked into doing 
ads at um, Jack's Airport, Daytona Beach Airport, just putting a, 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 a sign up and uh-huh. it's cost prohibitive. I, I don't have the money to do it. She want to send me a, you know, half a million dollar check. I can do right. a lot of things, Dane. Yeah. You know, all the, well, all the, all let, the proceeds you know. you're making. Yes. All the proceeds you're making from the economic development show, you know, you can help, <laughs> help a brother out over here in Palatka. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll put you on the list. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. That's cool. Well, hey, this has been really good. I'm going to have to have you back and we're going to have to, I'm just going to have to pick your brain some more because I just, I learned a lot. I took a lot of notes. I have some good stuff out of this. If any of our listeners want to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to get into contact with you? Uh, they can email me at mark at chamber p as in paul c dot com pretty easy email address That's easy yeah good okay yeah mark mark chamber pc.com they can go to putnam county chamber.com hit our website and reach me through there mm-hmm. um, or they can call the office here at 386-328-1503 well mark this has been great like I said, I learned a lot, and I'm absolutely going to have to have you back. I'd be more than happy. Good. Be more than happy to to come back. I appreciate the opportunity um, to be on your show, and um, anything I can do to help you, just let me know. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.